I'm Chan Storland, and this is the Spurs Insider, our weekly NBA podcast from ExpressNews.com. Joined now once again by San Antonio Express News sports writer Jeff McDonald. And Jeff, you got to wonder how many more times we're going to be able to talk on, I guess you'd say, this season of the Spurs Insider because after a successful 3-0 homestand, the Spurs are back on the road. Only so many games left in the season, and then who knows about the postseason. We'll probably talk about that a little bit later. Today, they're facing an Atlanta team that on paper appears to be one of the NBA's worst. However, as you know, the Spurs really have proven to be untrustworthy on the road, going 2-9 and nine in their last 11 games away from home. And also this season, they've lost to teams they had no business losing to, which includes a rodeo road trip loss to a, a New York team that's even worse than the Hawks appear to be. So what's behind the Spurs' awful split between the home and the road? And can we trust them to win today's game in Atlanta? Yeah, it's crazy in that it seems like it's really two different teams. You have the team that's uh, t- that normally takes the floor at the AT&T Center here in San Antonio, and that team looks like um, it should not only make the playoffs, but but would be a uh, you know a team to contend with in the playoffs. And then they go on the road and and you know pardon the pun, just turn into roadkill. Um, can't beat anybody. Losing, lose, I think the the Knicks, the loss to the Knicks was uh, another really red flag about how. Um, how poorly this team seems to come out on the road. The Knicks are a team that is basically not trying to win games. They're, you know, they're they're doing their they're doing their best to increase their lottery odds. And and the Spurs went in there into Madison Square Garden and that, on that rodeo road trip and uh, not only lost the Knicks but got pummeled, just pummeled to the Knicks. And when you're looking at the Spurs' chances of making the playoffs, you're kind of chalking up wins like New York, Atlanta, um, and chalking those up as wins to the to the win side of the ledger and so when they when they when they can't take care of that on the road then it, it makes you wonder or at least gives you a little bit of concern about their ability to kind of salt that that playoff bit away and you know like like, like you mentioned on paper Atlanta's uh, I think they're like 22 and 34 they're at the, the bottom portion of the eastern conference um, looks like a team a team again you should be able to chalk up as a w but if you can go on the road and lose to the Knicks at Madison Square Garden, you can go on the road and lose to anybody in the NBA. And when you look at the splits between home and road, like what's driving that? Why are they so good at home? Why are they so poor on the road? You you look at the defense. Um, for whatever reason, at home, they're, they're a top 10 defense in the NBA. They're actually number 10 in home defense. They go on the road, and they are the second worst defense in the NBA away from the home arena. Only the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, – have a worse defense away from home than the Spurs do. And why that is, is really hard to say because it, that's, that's, that, that should travel. That should be something that, that you're able to do regardless of the arena, you know, stick to the game plan, play hard, uh, be locked into uh, what you need to do, communicate, help each other's uh, help, help teammates um, fit into the scheme. Um, that all that is stuff that is not, uh, shouldn't shouldn't sway home and away. So it's really been weird why their defense just doesn't seem to travel with them. And to me, that's the main thing that's driving these huge uh, home road splits for the Spurs. Do you see that getting any better? I mean, you know, who knows? They're going to have to prove it, right? I mean, uh, again, the last time we saw them on the road, they were just laying down to, to, to everyone defensively. I mean, I think finally the very last game of the rodeo trip, they played a little bit of defense, still lost in Brooklyn, but only gave up 101 points. But I believe the number is like six, 
six out of the eight rodeo trip games, they gave up at least 120 points, which is very hard. Even in today's uh, sort of pinball-esque NBA, it's very hard to win games when you're giving up 120. But then they come home and they play Detroit and they play uh, Oklahoma City and they play uh, Denver, win all those games and hold all those teams to 103 or less. So if they could somehow translate that to the road, then you like their chances um, to really knock out that playoff playoff berth. But um, they're going to have to prove it before anybody trusts them on the road. So, as just briefly mentioned a moment ago, it's the final stretch of the season here. Perhaps postseason will continue that awesome record. We'll just have to wait and see. But Greg Popovich still tinkering with the starting lineup and other player rotations. The most recent change was to insert Jakob Pertl into the starting five with LaMarcus Aldridge, which gave the Spurs uh, a pair of big men in the starting lineup. That move also shifts Rudy Gay to the bench. So, is this the Spurs every night starting lineup going forward for the rest of the foreseeable season? And then do you think there might be any more tinkering going on? Is this really just seeing what works? And if it doesn't work, you just continue. Yeah, the Spurs would like to play big, which is sort of a um, anomaly in today's NBA. You're, you're seeing a lot of teams go smaller and um, playing a smaller guy at that power forward spot, which is what the Spurs have done for a lot of the season, playing Rudy Gay there that power forward spot, LaMarcus Aldridge at the, um, at the, at the center. It's really Rudy Gay is really in, in, you know, five, six, seven years ago, Rudy Gay is a small forward. You kind of move him down to, to, to power forward. LaMarcus Aldridge was a power forward to move him to center. You know, just everything in the NBA is going smaller, but Spurs would like to play with two seven footers if they could do that. And so that's why you see Pirtle in the lineup. And it kind of matched up with his homestand because they were playing Detroit, which, which kind of plays that way. On the front line, they were playing um, Oklahoma City that plays that way, and they're playing um, Denver that plays that way. So it kind of matched up for the Spurs, and they were able to play the way they wanted. And I think this is the way Pop, uh, Greg Popovich would like to keep it. Um, with that said, there will be some matchups here or there where it's just going to be very hard to play two big men because there's there's going to be um, going to be difficult to guard the opposition. Like the Spurs don't play the Lakers anymore. But if you think back to when the Spurs played the Lakers the first couple of times, LeBron James was playing that power forward position. And it's hard to imagine the Spurs going big against a lineup like that because you'd have LaMarcus Aldridge guarding LeBron James, and that just doesn't seem like a fair fight. So um, it's, it's going to be sort of matchup dependent, but I think if the Spurs have their druthers, it seems like they want to play Jakob Pertl alongside LaMarcus Aldridge in the starting lineup. I think they feel like it makes their defense better. Um, it makes their rebounding better. They, they, Jakob Pertl is able to do a lot of the sort of dirty work things um, all, all, all around the basket, you know, protect the rim, get some offensive rebounds, um, set screens. It's, and that sort of frees LaMarcus up to do more sort of more LaMarcus Aldridge type things. And then sort of the trickle down effect of that move is Rudy Gay is on the bench, which um, is, is pretty interesting because he's a starter level player in the NBA, no doubt. But the Spurs have sort of a history and almost pioneered this idea of, um, basically assembling two separate units between your starters and your, your bench unit. And your bench unit needs a centerpiece. It needs a guy that you can go to and, and run through. And for the longest time for the Spurs, that was Monta Ginobili, who's probably going to go in the NBA Hall of Fame, but played more games off the bench in the NBA than, um, than, than uh, you know, starting. So uh, Rudy Gay is sort of a latter-day Monta Ginobili, as it were. He can go to the bench. He can sort of hunt his own offense off the bench instead of having to share shots with DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. And, you know, the, it's kind of 
early. There's there's a small sample size, but I think the returns have been good with Rudy Gay coming off the bench as well. And then, you know, there are lineups as the game progresses where Rudy Gay sort of mixes in with that starting unit unit as the matchups sort of dictate. So it's, there's a lot of moving parts, but I think, and, you know, the Spurs might take the floor at Atlanta tonight and completely blow this all out of the water. But I think the way they want to go is to have Jakob Pertl be that, that starting center of LaMarcus Aldridge at the floor and Rudy Gay coming off the bench. So speaking of Atlanta, the Spurs left San Antonio for that game, holding on to eighth place in the West. It appears the race for the final two spots going to come down to three teams, the Spurs, Clippers, and the Kings. Obviously, three is not two. So who's not going to make those spots? That's really, I mean, it's going to be a really interesting battle. Um, the Spurs, basically, to make the playoffs, need to hold off one of those two teams, right? And right now, they're they're a couple games ahead of Sacramento. So it seems like maybe Sacramento's the odd team out. Um, the really interesting case among those three are the Clippers, because the Clippers um, made some trades throughout in the last couple of years, and Basically, the upshot is if they make the playoffs, they lose their first-round draft pick next year. They have no first-round draft pick. It goes to Boston. If they miss the playoffs, they get to keep that first-round draft pick. And not only is it a first-round draft pick, because they've missed the playoffs, it's a lottery pick. It has a chance to be a really, really uh, valuable pick. And if, if you're the Clippers, you're obviously in rebuilding mode. You've traded your 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 stars from the from the from your quote-unquote Lob City era, um, Blake Griffin and Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan has left. So you're obviously in rebuilding mode. So you would rather have your draft pick next year, but it's like nobody told the players that like the, the Clippers roll these players out there. They're not interested in losing games. They're not interested in missing the playoffs. So they're going out there and playing hard and they're winning games. And right now they're in seventh place. So if, if you look at it from the perspective of, you know, the Clippers would really behoove themselves to finish ninth and not make the playoffs. You think maybe they're the odd team out, but they're not playing like a team that wants to be the odd team out. They're they're playing hard. So I, I'm I'm thinking if I have to handicap it right now, I'm thinking Spurs and Clippers get in, and and Sacramento's the team in ninth. Even though I like a lot of the young talent on Sacramento, and, and they've certainly made a lot of strides um, this season after basically being a lottery team every season since 2006. Um, I think they're, they're, they're a team that is definitely trending upward, but I think this might not quite be the year for the Kings to make the playoffs. All that said, the Spurs still have to win enough games to, to you know put their stamp on that thing. So they got to take care of their own business as well. And then rounding out here with uh, the topics we'd like to discuss on today's episode, you know, in the past here on the podcast, we've talked about Paul Gasol. Late last week, there was a resolution to his situation. The Spurs bought out the remainder of the contract at his request, which allowed him to sign with Milwaukee. Um, two plus seasons uh, in San Antonio. How are we going to look back on that? Obviously, it didn't work out the way he or probably the team wanted it to. And where does his departure leave the Spurs depth-wise as the playoffs approach? Obviously, this was something that Milwaukee wanted, and it wasn't really quite fitting into San Antonio, but now they don't have that player. Yeah, it's like, Pal, you know, when Pal Gasol came here, he was sort of um, the guy, the guy that not, not that was going to replace Tim Duncan, but, but take his spot on the roster and, and be that kind of guy uh, on the floor, just kind of the, the veteran, big man, great passer, fits into the scheme. And uh, he was all those things uh, at the beginning of his first tenure. It, it's just, 
it, it kind of two things were working against Hal. One was just father time. He got he got older, um, got to be thirty eight years old, and you're just it's just a it's just a fact of life. You're not as good athletically at thirty eight as you were at thirty six or thirty four, or, or, and that sort of thing. But the other thing is the game just sped up and kind of ran away from a player like Pal Gasol. As we mentioned earlier, you're going you're going small a lot and you're having to play small ball and you're having to play fast. And it's a three point shooting game now. And, um, you know, again, Pau Gasol is a guy that's going to wind up in the Naismith hall of fame, but, um, his, his game at his age doesn't quite fit in today's NBA. So those were two things that were happening at once to him. And he sort of just, and on top of all of that, he had a foot injury early in this season. And that just sort of, he went from being a bench player to just basically not even getting off the bench here with the Spurs. So what we'll remember him as a guy that, you know, arrived with the best of attentions, uh, both on his part and the Spurs had some good moments, had a, had a good first season and a half or so, but it, you know, it just sort of didn't, didn't mesh like uh, maybe it would have even, even four or four or five years ago. Um, what, what, what we'll miss about him as reporters is just um, his presence in the locker room, just being always willing to talk, always a, a friendly face, funny, like would like to talk about things that were not basketball related. It was always fun to ask Powell what he's reading now uh, and, and let him give you book recommendations. So as reporters, selfishly, we're, we're going to miss him. You know, he was a Magic Johnson award winner for the best media interview or the most accommodating media interview for, for a reason. He was really good to us. Um, so I think just as human beings, we, we wish him well in Milwaukee. And as far as the Spurs on the floor now, it does leave them a little short of one big man. Like if every, if every game goes to plan, you get by with LaMarcus Aldridge and Jakob Pertl and then playing Rudy Gay at that, that power forward spot, and that'd be sort of your front court rotation. But um, if you have anything go off script in a game, you have a guy get in foul trouble, you have a guy get injured. Like, you know, Jakob Pertl is on the injured, injury report for, for tonight's game against Atlanta with, uh, with a uh, hamstring issue. He may or may not play. And if that happens... Um, you're, you're kind of one big man short. Um, you, you don't have anyone to fill that spot. I mean, the Spurs are using last night in a, or a couple nights ago against uh, Denver uh, in a pinch. They used Drew Eubanks for four or five minutes. So he, Drew Eubanks is a, is, a, is a rookie on a two-way contract. It's, it's mostly a G League player. So I think in a perfect world, you might want to fill that roster spot that Gasol left with some sort of veteran big man, but there really isn't anyone out there to my knowledge. So I think it is going to be something worth monitoring going forward is how they handle that when there's foul trouble or injuries um, or anything of that nature. Or if they, they do look around the, um, you know, the, the, the wave, the, the free agent pool and see if there's anybody that, that would fit, you know, a Andrew Bogut would be a great addition. Of course, he's going to sign with, with Golden State because, uh, you know, everyone does that these days. So I don't know who is out there to fill that spot, but if you have injuries, if you have foul trouble, you know, you're depending on some guys you might not have planned on depending upon. And thank you to San Antonio Express News sports writer Jeff McDonald for joining me for today's episode of the Spurs Insider, our weekly NBA podcast from ExpressNews.com. For the San Antonio Express News, I'm Chance Dorland.